Hey, hey, this series is for information and entertainment purposes only. It isn't intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. So don't delay or disregard professional medical advice based on the information provided. And as always, if this is a medical emergency, dial 911. Welcome to Going to Hell. For people from people. You know, I taught for years and I taught at the college level. There would be students who worked full time and they went to school and I'd be teaching and I'd see them go, you know, and they started nodding off. And somebody said, well, it just has to do with your biological clock. It's like that old, you know, you need a little nap. You just need a shut eye. Is that? Actually, probably not. You know, I think, I think it's, it, it, it probably isn't entirely normal to take a nap in the afternoon. We're not really designed to do that. But, you know, if you're falling asleep in the middle of a, of a lecture, etc., there's a higher propensity you're going to have a sleep disturbance than if you're wide awake and fresh and taking notes and you're on your computer. So I think, I think it's a vastly different scenario. So I think if you're fatigued and you fall asleep and you're tired, in the middle of uh, a lecture, you know, you really should consider that maybe there is some underlying sleep disturbance. And the beauty of a sleep study is you simply test yourself and see how and what the parameters are. And if there are certain abnormalities, you can correct them. I know I've been diagnosed with ADD. Would that be something that also may, as a cause of perhaps why I don't get a good night's sleep? You know, I think, I think you bring up a, a really important point. The first question I'd ask you, if you've had that diagnosis, did you ever have a sleep study done so far? I have not. You know, it's a, it's a very personal journey for people that have ADD or ADHD, and it's a, it is often one that sleep testing hasn't been done. And let me sort of share with you why this is so important. ADHD or ADD is a very common diagnosis today in children. You know, mm -hmm. we see this all the time and we see it in a real rise over the past generation. And this is a bit of a bold statement, but every child under the age of full maturity of their facial skeleton really should be sleep tested. Even though people would say, well, only if they're symptomatic, I actually believe it should be more universal testing. Mm -hmm. If a child has apnea, it's usually on the basis of large tonsils, and most of them haven't had their tonsils out, or it could be related to a small jaw condition or some other issue. You still have the opportunity in a young child that the jaw and the facial structures are plastic, they're mobile. So the orthodontist can actually give you various different orthodontic appliances to move the facial structure forward and wider to improve the airway. A lot of those young people that have ADHD and diagnosis are actually apneics. And so often, they've never been tested for sleep. So that's interesting, um, kind of in summary, that you've, you've seen that sleep can actually maybe cause some attention deficit um, disorders? Yeah, I, I, I think if you, if you think of your own life for just a moment and say, okay, what sleep apnea is, is I wake up X number of times an hour. You may not know you're waking up, but let's say the number is 30. So every two minutes, I want you to think of this for a second, your uh, partner is shaking you awake all night long. How are you gonna feel the next day? Exhausted, mm -hmm. terrible. So 
the consequences of that are my mind is not able to remember as clearly. I can't stay as focused clearly. So there's no question there's a very strong correlation between ADHD and ADD and sleep apnea. And it's definitely one that you want to really assess. So interesting. So um, being a nurse and yourself being a doctor and specifically I work in surgery, sleep is definitely a little bit more difficult to accomplish. Um, how have you found to overcome this uh, working in the field? It is challenging. Not everyone can navigate that as well. I think some people really struggle. It's more difficult to shift change than it is to stay on that shift. So for example, if you're working in, in, in some capacity where it's seven to seven at night till the morning, it's better to always be seven to seven than it is to then change every week to kind of go from day to nighttime. There are times when it's, you know, it's 2 a.m. and it's either adrenaline or a coffee that you know, gets you going. Keeping yourself fit, I, I do notice for myself because I do, like yourself, have long hours, and I thought it was really important that I had to increase my physical activities and increase my exercise to be able to be more endurant. Right. So I do think that's very helpful in terms of navigating those challenging times when we have to be up 24 hours and 36 hours. And I'll pass. It is interesting what you said before, because when I was growing up, people had their tonsils out. Everyone got their tonsils out. And then when I had kids, they said, hold off, hold off, don't get their tonsils out. And it was, and now you're saying something so interesting about that. Well, this is a fascinating, you know, we, we go through cycles in healthcare, right? I grew up in a tonsillectomy era. Everybody had a tonsillectomy. I think I was three, I don't know. So as we have watched children uh, with reduced tonsils, we've actually noticed other problems like sleep disturbances, sleep apnea, ADHD and other medical conditions rising somewhat correlate to the reduction in sort of that standardized tonsillectomy. And that isn't to say that children should have a tonsillectomy, it just should be that parents should be aware that if the child is not sleeping well and they're fatigued and they're tired and they're rolling around their bed to try to kind of move to sleep, maybe they have sleep apnea and maybe the cause of that is their tonsils and adenoids. I just remember when I had my tonsils out, my parents said, you'll be fine and you get to eat ice cream for two, three days. And I said, sign me up. <laughs> you know? Watermelon juice, that is the key. That's, that's a good one. Watermelon juice is a good pearl. So um, can you share a little bit about what you and your practice are doing to look into how to improve the quality of sleep in America? We really need to look at sleep not as a disease, apnea, but we need to look at it as a first a biological part of our lives. We need to have routines, right? It's one of the most important things that if my routine is 11 o'clock, right, it should be 11 o'clock, not right. 10 and four and two. One of the biggest challenges we have today is that everybody loves to be on their cell phone. And it's been well established that that triggers intellectually a lot of challenges before we go to sleep. Right. So we should take a pause and say, you know, for two hours before we go to bed or, or one hour before we go to bed, just don't, you know, don't do that. And if you're going to, remember you've got a blue, blue light filter on mm -hmm. a lot of this equipment that really helps right. you with that. Um, alcohol, actually, interestingly enough, worsens the tone in the throat, right. worsens sleep patterns. And again, alcohol, you know, perhaps within four hours of going to bed is probably not optimal as well. Elevation, you know, if you think about it simply, if you elevate yourself, you're not going to snore as loud. Snoring is an obstruction. Right. We know people are generally better on, or worse rather, on their back. So you can use a device. There's many available. 
on any you know, platform you want to help you sleep in those areas. But most importantly, if you're not sleeping well and it's consistent, you need to think of a sleep study because it will assess all the different parameters of sleep and help guide you in terms of why you're not sleeping well.